0: Hey, I want to talk to you about a very special podcast that is going into its second season, Veronica Mars Investigates. Their second season is going to premiere on March 24th, and a little bit about Veronica Mars Investigates. It is a very, very cool recap podcast, and if you like very, very cool recap podcasts like this one, you're probably going to like that one. It's hosted by Jenny Owen Youngs from the hit Buffy recap podcast, Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and Helen Zaltzman from the award-winning entertainment podcasts, The Illusionists and Answer Me This. They are podcast royalty, and they have come together to create this show about the Veronica Mars television show. And if you haven't watched Veronica Mars television show, it is a teen comedy drama thriller noir. You can hear the first season of Veronica Mars Investigates now on all the podcast places and at vmipod.com. But season two, March 24th, get ready. You'll enjoy it.
1: Listen to your heart. You can hear it deep under the earth.
0: Creaking and heaving, with roots snapping and birds flapping quickly away.
2: Good morning, Night Vale. Hello, everybody. I'm Hal Lublin. Just Hal Lublin.
0: And I'm Meg Bashwiner. Simply Meg Bashwiner.
1: And I'm Symphony Sanders. And oh, so much more. And here we are once again talking about our favorite podcast, Welcome to Night Vale, because we work on it, and we like the people that work on it, and we like the show, and we want to talk about it.
0: I just want to say that I really like Terry Gross's Fresh Air. And I don't know if it's my favorite podcast, but I also really like the Bon Appetit Foodcast and Radio oh. Cherry Bomb. Like, listen, I like Welcome to Night Vale. I really do. But I have okay. a favorite podcast. I'm okay, so stoked that it's in my phone. Probably what? Wednesdays with the Bon Appetit Foodcast, I have to say. Maybe one of our favorites?
2: I always look forward to new uh, Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, which is a Philadelphia 76ers podcast that I mm. enjoy.
1: Uh geez, fine. It's just like a, a podcast
0: that we work on, but we also like it. But maybe it's your listener.
2: Listener, maybe it's your favorite podcast. Is it your favorite podcast? Let us know. It's important to us. And make sure for you sh- me.
0: Yeah, and make sure you shit on other podcasts when you talk about it. You're like, <laughs> I like Welcome to Night Vale so much. You know, like, fuck the dollop. Although I, I just started listening to the dollop and I enjoy it.
2: Yeah, say, I really love Good Morning Night Vale. It's way better than... Uh, I don't know. Pick
0: I'm trying podcasts. to think of another podcast we can dunk on that I won't feel bad about because I really like podcasts and I don't want to be like, well, hey, fuck you. Oh,
2: it's way better than the Joe Rogan experience. Yeah, fuck oh, Joe Rogan.
0: Fuck Joe Rogan. Yeah, it's so way he, better than Dax Shepard.
2: Oh, he seems cool. Is he not good? Do, have we heard anything?
0: I don't know. It, it's like, it's like, come on.
1: You know, uh, okay, here's the thing. He seems like a bro. He seems like a bro, but then he's married to... Kristen Bell. She's cool.
0: But like does Dak Shepherd need a platform? Like is was the world being like, you know what, I really gotta hear what this guy's gotta say. He really is speaking to he's a voice that is unheard and unrepresented and really is saying something new in the world of comedy and interview. So
2: look, if we're airing grudges, then I can just take up the whole 45 minutes. <laughs> we don't even need to talk about this episode at all. We can do that in 30 seconds and then I'll just be like, Here here are all the here here's where I think I should be successful. And and it makes me mad. That other people are
0: Here's this a list of mad. people that make me mad It makes me mad when other people can eat food And not gain weight
2: That's yeah. the thing that makes me
0: the most mad Where it's yeah, like oh if I like true. have a beer I will gain like four pounds
2: And I, I do want to say in my in my, uh, I don't know not defense I feel good about the fact that now I'm happy for other people While being sad for myself Like I don't uh, I've stopped coveting That's good right That's a step forward
0: that's a really big step forward. I wish I didn't spend most of my time coveting the metabolisms of like 19-year-old men.
2: But yeah. Oh, they're the worst.
0: They can eat whatever mm. they want.
2: Yeah, I'm going to fold this gallon of ice cream into a pizza and eat it. And then I'll, and then I'll be fine. Uh, my abs will get more defined. Whatever. <laughs>
1: coveting doesn't help
2: anyone, least of all you.
0: But So I guess we, if we can't covet, we should at least move on and talk about what we came here to do.
2: All right, let's talk about episode 43 Visitor. And here's the description of the episode An adorable new visitor makes its way into the radio station. Plus, controversy in the mayoral race, an update on the house that doesn't exist, and a look at the community calendar. Let's talk about it.
1: Why'd you say visitor like it's a question? Did I? I thought so. Maybe someone else thought so too.
2: Visitor? I didn't intend it. Uh, sorry, visitor. <laughs> This episode is Visitor. This is a turning point episode for me. I think it's a, a turning point for Cecil as well, where he reaches his final straw. I know I'm not going into specific things that are said, but just in general, that's something that strikes me about this episode because we're the, the Strex. Yeah. This is really a heating up of the Strex storyline. I feel like the, the numbers episode took us out of it a little bit, and now, now we're like way deep into it again. And. Well,
1: guys, I mean, part of it is do not mess with a pet and a pet owner. You can't play those sensitive games. Because I'll tell you what, I literally got my cat tattooed on my body post-mortem. I would have done almost, if somebody had tried to hurt my cat, I would have gone buck wild. And I know that there are pet owners out there that feel the same way. So... I, like he gets really mad. You can hear it in his voice.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I would have like laid down my life for my dog. Of like, I would be like, no, you live. You have, you have to, you have to go on. Sure. Yeah. couple episodes with Strax where it's like, okay, they're coming for other people. They're coming for the, the teen militia. They're coming mm-hmm. for this. But it's like, now they're coming for you. They're coming for your fucking cat. And so that is what gets him off of his like throne of comfort and privilege. And it's just like, I will cut a bitch. Mm. Um, and it's, it's starting out in this episode, it's interesting because we get the check-in where he's talking about the Strex pet, and then he's talking about Kashuk. and he said, Kashuk is still in the men's room, as he has always been and presumably always will be. And I'm like, oh, foreshadowing. The yeah. hubris. The hubris, Cecil. Things you love can be taken from you. <laughs> so you're, I- you're Icarus cresting the sun.
2: <laughs> this, is, this is a town full of people who are just told to obey and follow along. So they don't know anymore. Even even his sort of passi- passing of secret messages along doesn't really implicate him. He does it in a way where he's not really implicated. So he's maintaining his distance from everything. He's still trying to just keep what he has, including Kaushik. So and, and I think w- when you get into that, that groove of doing it, like you said, it becomes hubris. You be, You think, well, I'm fine. Everything's just as it is. Everything else is crazy. I don't have to be a part of it.
0: But then they come for you,
2: and then they came for Kashik. Then
0: they came for Kashik.
1: Well, and it starts off all very seemingly innocent, as many threats in Night Vale do. You know, it comes in and it's cute? Question mark. Like the description and when he describes it, it's like he'll say it has like a lush, furry body, right? And then it has like duck eye. Though, (laughs) have you seen duck eyes?
2: Ducks are gross. Ducks.
1: Ducks are gross. Uh, ducks, you really? You think they're gross? Well, ducks are rapists, so. Yeah. What? Well, oh. they, they do.
0: Yeah. But then the but the the female duck has a false vagina. Yes.
1: Because of years of because of evolution due to
0: repeated duck rapes. So she has like a system for dealing with that. Yeah. So that she is only impregnated by something that the, the duck that she feels is the best, not just whoever is trying. And that's a little bit about duck anatomy.
2: Now I just picture a bunch of ducks sitting around talking, a bunch of drakes as they're called. And, and, and like three of them are like, sex feels weird. And then the fourth one's like, no, it's great. My kids are on the way. They're, they're eggs now. I don't know. Uh, Also Howard, the duck all those scenes with Leah Thompson are way creepier now. <laughs> They're creepier now because it's 2019. But this added layer of duck rape, really? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah,
0: I remember. I would the, That's haunting. I used to at UMass, where I attended university. I would go smoke cigarettes out on the ledge of the the staircase by the theater department and overlooked the pond. And you would see some some real rough shit. You'd see a lot of non consensual duck things happening, and you'd be like, oh, "Run, girl, run!" run. You, like, want to go out there with pepper spray for her. Jeez.
1: Who will advocate for the ducks, you know? Which is why I don't feel bad about eating ducks. They are delicious.
2: They taste so good. Peking duck, come on.
1: Oh, there's a good place by me, Hal. Come to Chicago. I will feed you. All right. All right. Anyway, creepy duck eye. Weird, fuzzy, square body. It has nubbins for arms. And legs, you know, and then it just like stares at you. And then it like, but it kind of makes a cute sound. He's like, oh, it's like a like a little fuzzy thing. Things appear in his office all the time. Why should he be scared? Right. Until it grasps onto him. That's when we start going, okay, it's not letting him move. Why is it so strong and so heavy? I imagine it like a neutron star. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Dense. Like yes. Very
0: dense. For its yes. size, yeah, I can. Yeah, I get that that vibe too. I was trying to make a joke about how I'm dense for my size, but I'm not. I am, because I'm thick with four C's. It's because you're very muscular. <laughs>
1: oh. It's why I yeah. sink in the ocean. That's why I float.
2: <laughs> I'm, you just walk the floor. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. You just walk along the ocean floor. Meanwhile, yeah. my my body is, like, above the water. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like the You're Dead sea. It's like I'm, like, Dead Sea stuff in a freshwater lake. I'm, like,
2: <laughs> above the ocean. I walk on water like Jesus. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Meg raises me up,
2: though. I like, do. Like I, Josh I have Groban. I to float you. Yeah. Um, you raise like me up. <laughs> just like Groby.
0: I was going to say, I saw him in Peter in the Star Catcher, and he was way better than he needed to be.
2: Oh. I heard he was very good in that. He was very good. Uh, Five-star view. I was going to say, the other thing about this episode is uh, these corporate gifts can be really rough. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you get really great stuff. Other times you get things where you're like, I'm not sure what to do with this or if I can ever use it. But they
1: didn't, couldn't even leave a note.
2: No, they just leave it. I, no, at, is at that my happening company, at your job, too? Yeah. When we get gifts, they're just draped over our chair. Like, oh, there's a T-shirt here. Here's a blanket.
0: <laughs> That's weird. What do you get? What are, uh, what are things that you don't want that you get?
2: I'll tell you some things I've received. <laughs> I've received. Uh, I have two blankets. Okay. I have a number of T-shirts. Are they good All blankets of-
1: or are they those thin,
2: cheap blankets? No, they're decent. They're really oh. decent. One of those, like the picnicking ba- blanket, where one side is almost like a jacket, like a rain jacket. And the other side is soft.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it doesn't get wet.
2: Yeah, Uh, the backpack that I travel with when Uh, when I'm traveling with y'all. I know that that was one of the gifts. That's 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 like that was the best one. That was the best one of all. Uh, Ones that maybe weren't the selfie stick wasn't great. Like the quality of it, or that it was that it existed. It just like came at a time when selfie sticks were probably close to the decline. Okay, Uh, so the beginning. But it was never like, "Hey, you're getting this." It, yeah, exactly. It was never like you're getting a selfie stick or a or a, an all temperature mug. And uh, what I hope does you're that cool even mean? That. It was just it shows up. It's like the stainless steel where, where the the hot stays hot and the cold oh, stays yeah, cold. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So you just get though they're just sitting waiting for you, huh. and it's the gift that was selected by a handful of people, and. It's never been a, a a murder robot duck, thankfully, but it does shed a light on what would be something that would be useful that people would like. And I, my company does a very good job of that. That they're the selfie stick is was sort of a knock, but it still kind of was kind of neat to get it. It was it was something. Is there it was all some thought put into it. Everything branded. Everything branded. Yeah, of course. When
0: I worked at insurance, I got a lot of free stuff. I've never paid for an umbrella.
2: <laughs> oh, were you at uh, – was it Travelers? Uh, well, were you at I, Travelers? I was a Travelers
0: agent. Um, there you so, go. But, but I also have a miniature umbrella from Travelers. Oh. Uh, I also I'm, – guys, I'm a Travelers insured. They insure my vehicles, just so you know. Oh. I also think they insure <laughs> – never mind. <laughs> I was going to mention something I owned that I was a little embarrassed to say.
2: <laughs> Wait. Oh, what? Four-wheeler. Will you say it? No. <laughs> really? If we guess what it is, will you tell us yes, we're it's,
0: right? It's not my horse collection. No. <laughs> it's not my collection of horse figurines. <laughs> cuz that's uninsurable cuz the value is too high.
2: Yeah, it's there. I mean, how do you How do you catch a moonbeam in a jar? How,
0: how do you <laughs> How do you hold the moonbeam in your hand?
2: How do you do uh, it? Maybe do through
0: thought crimes. Through thought crimes.
1: Yeah. Um so I I every time they say thought crimes, I think of Minority Report
2: immediately.
0: Mm.
2: Have you seen that movie? Yes.
0: <laughs> I have not the seen the precogs. That movie.
2: Yes, <laughs> three bald kids in a tub <laughs> throwing balls into a into a chute that tell you whether or not a crime. So uh, here, let me pitch you.
1: In my head, it's they pooped them.
2: Yeah, they, they poop them out. Meg, let me let me tell you a Minority <laughs> Report, if I may. Please. It's the future.
0: Okay.
2: Touchscreens are just in the air, and Tom Cruise is working him. And he works for a pre-crime division. They're able to assess using these three bald kids in a tub when crimes are going to be committed. Like, hey, this this guy will will murder his wife in four hours. So then their job is to get there and intercept and stop the guy before he commits the crimes. So they're pre they're preventing crime from happening. But of course, as you can imagine, this system might be corrupted. Uh-oh. And only uh, only Tom, Tom Cruise and his future drug addiction, which is like a weird inhaler because he lost his family. Very sad. Understand? Only he can solve it by taking those bald kids under his wing. And I forget what he does with them. So he, he throw fl- them back into the sea, whatever fl- happens. He flushes them down the toilet. He flushes them down, right down the toilet. <laughs> and- and they live with, with them. the alligators. He yeah, with them.
0: I'm in, and just because I, I always like an opportunity to see Tom Cruise triumph, you know, in the face of an sure. adversity.
2: Yeah, he um, he represents all of us.
0: Sure does. I'm um, speaking of represents all of us. We get a mayoral update, uh, a very yeah. disconcerting mayoral update for yeah. these current times that we are in, where there's like a nod to birtherism. So basically, it's like we get the update, and supporters of the faceless old woman are like, "Hey, Hiram McDaniel's is a fraud and a criminal." And Hiram McDaniel's is like, "Yeah, but the faceless old woman doesn't have a birth certificate." So, and I'm like, "I just can't. I can't hear those words, even though they're written in 2014." Yeah, like I just, I just twitch.
1: Well, like literally, Hiram McDaniel's has like killed and eaten someone, or not eaten, like scratched him up.
0: I'm sure the faceless old woman has too, but. Sure. Nobody but
1: is that idea accusing her of that.
2: That that idea that they're making fun of Trump because that he was such a joke at the time because of all that birtherism crap. That it, you know it 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 sucks that it's timely again. Yeah. That the, that the pendulum swung around so quick because there are things that that were maybe timely in the fifties that would seem timely again. Fifty years later, not not even now when we're when it feels like we're regressing and progressing socially at the same time. But this this is a very short turnaround for it, for it to come back and be relevant again, and that's disconcerting for a number of reasons.
0: It's just it's tough to hear. But into the woods is their casting for what seems to be a bank heist. So that's uh, good. <laughs> yes,
1: and I think. Have you guys, you seen Into the Woods, correct?
0: i I've, was, i performed, I were you played in a it? role. Yeah. In Who were you? Senior, my senior year of high school. Who were you? Uh, I was, uh, <laughs> the voice Ootus. of the giant. Yes. Yeah. And I also had did another part. Was I granny? Yeah. Nice. I did some acting. It was, I did my first voice acting as the voice of the giant. Ooh, that. That's how you broke into Can the Can we biz. hear the giant? Can I think it, I'm trying to it? remember how it went. It was like, this is the giant. Um, something like Ooh. that. <laughs> this is the giant. Wow, that's scary. I would have been it's scared if I heard com- that over a PA. performance. It really was.
2: <laughs> I'm the fucking giant. This is the fucking giant. Um, <laughs> What's up, motherfucker?
0: <laughs> this is the giant. It was more like that. It was like a little airier. I don't know. <laughs> this is the fucking giant. This
2: I like that but all of, of you... That was your whole audition. Can you just try it sad now? This is the fucking giant. This is the fucking giant. <laughs> boy, boy. <laughs> boy, You had your sideways ball cap on yeah. when you went to audition, as you always do, and movement clothes. Like Yeah, boy, exactly. Just
0: loose, loose fitting. <laughs> loose fitting clothes.
2: Loose, loose fitting clothes.
0: Cross colors. I love how they like, we're loose fitting clothes to this audition for the voiceover part that you're going to be doing. <laughs> How when you go on voice auditions, you know, as opposed to just sending in something taped, do you wear loose fitting clothing
2: you 've seen how I dress the answer is the answer <laughs> is of course I do, mm-hmm. man, I had these pants i don 't know if i 've talked about them on here before when I lost weight back in two thousand and five, I got down to like two hundred pounds, and I could go one of the cool things about that was I could buy clothes at the gap that would fit me and not look make me look like Chris Farley wearing david spade 's jacket, and I got. Mm-hmm. Uh, this pair of like black – they were sweatpants, but they were kind of like like a loose-fitting yoga pant from like – you know what I mean? Yep. When you go to take yoga, but you wear the loose pants, not the tight ones. Yeah. And uh, it's, it fit for such a long time. Like the sisterhood of the traveling sweatpants, no matter how big I got, they still fit. And I miss those pants. And if I had them and I could, and I could wear them every day of my life – Those would be the pants? That would be – oh, boy. I'm just picturing them now, and it makes me smile. So, yes, I do wear uh, loose-fitting clothes. Even if I'm going – because, listen, if they're judging me on what I look like for a voiceover audition, they are in the wrong business. That's what I have to say. It can't be my problem, can it?
1: You know who else is in the wrong business? Those people at Tourniquet.
0: Oh. Or their previous restaurant, Shame? Yes. (laughs) I like their concept though. I really do. I could get behind it.
1: Molecular gastronomy and human remains.
0: Yeah. And then they it's a six course it's a, a prefix menu with a choice of appetizer, Andre dessert, and sudden awareness of a hideous suppressed memory. I feel like I've been to that restaurant. I feel like <laughs> I I I'm a fine I'm a person who likes to engage in fine dining. I have yeah. been very lucky to get to eat some of the best food in the world. Um and sometimes things are super high concept like that. And it makes me Um, makes me happy. Uh, but then I have, I think I was telling Symphony about this the other day. I have my high concept restaurant where it's like just a, like it's a new American tasting menu with all the bells and whistles that they normally do, except one course, they just wheel out a microwave and they just do table side bagel bites and they take (laughs) the bagel bites out of the package and they put it in the microwave. They like press start and they're like, your bagel bites are cooking now. They'll be ready shortly. And like, that is just what you, that is, but one of the courses in the tasting menu.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that concept I, I think my restaurant concept would be uh, Something that looks really hot Like it's got like the weird music And like odd tables Sort of like that restaurant from uh, Always Be My Maybe I don't know if you've seen yeah, that yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. What The, Keanu, Keanu, Reeves yes, the yeah. Keanu Reeves restaurant yeah. scene That restaurant Except it just serves southern comfort food and there's no every, so everybody comes there thinking it's going to be trendy, and they think that that everything's going to be like a weird interpretation of fried chicken and mac and cheese or ribs, but it's just a giant messy plate of ribs <laughs> brought to your table, and you have to deal with it now. And you're all yeah. fancy dressed. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's and then good. I would just
2: sit. I would sit in my sliver office with all the screens up and laugh, <laughs> laugh and eat, laugh <laughs> and eat. That is my life, wearing my sweatpants. <laughs> That's the dream.
0: I don't remember. I don't remember who specifically told me this story, but they said they went to like a fancy tasting place and one of the courses was just, they were invited to go smoke weed with the, the, the kitchen staff. <laughs> it's like what? for next course, you can uh, join the, join the kitchen staff if you'd like to smoke a joint with us. <laughs> Come they on. must have known
1: somebody there.
0: Yeah. Or Hey, if you work at that restaurant. Or
1: if you're just really cool.
0: When Welcome to Night comes through town, we would really like to dine there.
1: Uh, Yeah. I'll bring also, the bagel anytime, just hit me up. Like, I'll be by.
0: Just roll through the kitchen. Just roll.
1: Yeah, I'll just come to the kitchen. I don't need to eat, like, other food. <laughs> I'll eat with, like, whatever is back there.
0: This is a fun story. One of the first times I ever went to a fancy tasting venue. Uh, Joseph and I went to WD50, which is, like, one of the molecular gastronomy places in new york that was kind of like like people who really started out and uh i had never had a tasting menu before let alone with a a beverage pairing drink pairing um and we went and we did it i we were i was on a diet at the time so this was like my my shot to eat food (laughs) and uh uh, I was so hungry. I like hadn't eaten all day. And I sat down and they bring out courses and they bring them out. As as soon as you finish one, they're going to hand you another one. And the same thing with the wine, which is paired with the food. And I was so hungry. And I'd never been to one of these places before. So I just like did uh, like 10 course tasting menu in like 45 minutes because I was oh. so hungry. And because I just didn't know that like, this is how this worked. And so I was like, incredibly drunk and like just incredibly full and done in like 45 minutes or something that's supposed to take like three hours. Um, and <laughs> Joseph was with me and Joseph also was at the same pace that I was. He had to stop and go puke. <laughs> this restaurant. Wow. And, then, and then they invited us to the kitchen at the end. So we walk into the kitchen and like the chef is there and he's like a really big deal. And I'm like trying to talk to him, but also like the kitchen is spinning and I'm like just trying to not puke in this like, you know, big New York City, big deal restaurant kitchen. Uh, but I, we got through it, and then the two of us like stumbled our way to the train. We were like, like we were like we looked like in Men in Black, where the 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 bugs in the man, like the Earl yeah. suit, and how he walks. We were like, <laughs> that's how we were walking to the train. We were like Earl. Earl in Earl suits. Agar. Um, Agar. Agar in Agar suits. In his Agar like, suit. Yeah, that's how oh, we
1: are. All he wanted was sugar water.
0: And that is uh, <laughs> what tourniquet is like.
1: Great. But you know what? I think $35 is quite affordable for a prefix like that.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's a really good price.
1: Also, I have had one of those moments where you just have like a memory of something and you're like, Jesus, why did I do that? And then you're, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, happens sometimes
0: a hideous suppressed memory of <laughs> trying not to throw up on Wiley de France uh, restaurant. Uh, so Tough. cool. So we hear from Kevin with a yes. terrifying ad for Strex Corp. Yes. Um, and, and in the background, you can hear Joseph Fink doing some vocals. That is what is backing Matt. Oh, is that um, him? Yes, it's definitely him. <laughs>
1: Every time I hear Kevin's voice it always is delightfully creepy. So this section did not uh disappoint especially
2: with all the bleeding. Oh yeah, the w- just the way he plays it adds a a layer to it, but then the it's just such horrifying it it has to be both things, right? It has to be Kevin's performance which we've which we've certainly uh doted on before. That's not right. Never mind. I need to eat a salad later. But the other half is is the writing and having it be so creepy on the other end that they really play off each other. And and it's
1: about the tongue, how like reflective it basically it is because it's so slick and uh, like uh, okay. I'm sorry. It just did like made me physically feel icky just thinking about like. Because you know you've seen someone's tongue like that that it was like weirdly covered in enough mucus to be like slick and shiny like that, or it's usually like sick people, you know, and yes, it's just like you' it's like slightly discolored um i they do such he does such a good job, they both do of describing the most disgusting thing, but like making it not attractive, but like you can't turn away from it. Yeah, you know what I mean i I felt the same way when he described those stuff, and Alice isn't dead:
0: yeah, it's a the the wild thing, I think, about audio horror is that it relies on the listener's own mind as the scary place. So it is, forces you to create a hell of your own making. Yeah. Because while they are describing something, they're not showing you anything. So it is you who has to put the pieces together yourself. And that is, of course, going to be the most scary to you because you're assembling the scariest things and the things that make you the most uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you are like, you you know, you're the, you're your own worst enemy. You're completely inescapable. And inside your mind is terrifying. And let us show you how. Welcome to Night Vale. You know?
1: Yeah. Yes, and my brain is a sick, dark place,
0: so: It's full of monsters, and Joseph and Jeffrey will show you which one, what, what they look like and what shapes they are. Exactly.: exactly. with the help of, with the help of Kevin R free and Cecil Baldwin.: Of course, whose beautiful voices lull you into a a place of relaxation so you really can dig, dig into those depths of how demented you are. <laughs> Cool. So uh, the strex pet freaks out and attacks Kashuk, and that is horrible to listen to. And it's horrible to hear Cecil come back from the weather because he's so distraught. And And Lauren Mallard is just like, hey, we got you this thing. It's fucking horrible. I hope you like it for your birthday. And he's like, it's not my fucking birthday, and you killed my fucking cat. But my cat's not dead. But my cat's going to be different, you know, because he's been through this trauma. So... Yeah, it's really, it's tough to hear. And I think Cecil does a really good job playing the scene, too. Like, coming from, a, like, a place of strength. Like, he plays it from a place of strength, but you also can hear how emotionally affected he is. Mm-hmm. But but not, not dejected. Not down, but not out, you know?
1: Yes. He could have taken it, in obviously, a couple of different places, but, like, the way he did it, like, as a person who's had a pet or, like, this has been scared for a pet, you know, that feeling. And I think that I connected to that the most. Cause I, you know, I was like, no, that's exactly where you would be feeling helpless yet. And a little powerless, you know, but you know, so ain't wanting to be angry, wanting to get some vengeance. Uh, but um, he just wants to be there for his, for his baby
2: boy. Yeah. I love the, the acting that the, uh, the, the sort of the, the range that they're giving him to work with and how that's progressed over the first two years of the show, just the the it's become more personal and deeper. And the more his character goes through, as opposed to being the passive observer, the more interesting it is to me as somebody listening to it.
0: Yeah, it definitely gets has a way of getting you invested in it because you become invested in the character of Cecil. You become invested in what happens to him and what his life is like because of the glimpses and, and bits that we are able to construct about who he is from the things we've been given in the past, the things that are not just him reading the news, uh, but are like the, the touchstones for who this character is that we connect to. Um,
1: yeah. And when an evil Furby comes in and fucks with that uh, happiness that we've, that he's created in this life, it makes us all come on the defensive, I think to uh, want to protect the, that person and uh, the life that we've gotten to know through them. Yes.
0: One of the things that makes those Drex pets scary for me is that it is this thing that is like a weird animal and it's feral and it's violent and it's, they're trying to trank it. They're trying to trank gun it and tranquilize it and like get it to stop, but they can't because it's a machine and then they flip the switch and it stops and it's just like, how could something that is showing itself to be so animal and violent and like feral and crazed be something that is a machine that is like right. created by science, you know? Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Cause they're like, what was your purpose? What was your initial purpose to come in? Yeah. Here? Like, were you supposed to come in and destroy like whatever was here? Like, are you like, would you have done that to Cecil? Like, would you have done that to the owner or would you do that to any other pet that's trying to take over? Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And then it just yeah. stops once the switch is flipped. You know, like it's, it's that thing that makes it so scary. It's like it did all this huge amount of damage and like there's blood and cat hair everywhere. And then all, and then it just becomes this inanimate object. It's like seeing a, like after a, a car wreck, when like the car has done so much damage, then it just stops Right. And it's like, then there's this, it's back to being something that can't hurt you. That is this piece that is just holding completely still in time, but it has just wreaked all of this havoc. It's like a very eerie image to see like destruction, the thing that caused destruction, just holding completely still.
2: Yeah. Well, I'll never
1: look at
0: a Furby the same. And you shouldn't.
2: Don't. Don't. We had one at work that I, that I kept in a, I don't know whose it was. <laughs> was it a corporate it was yeah, it was a corporate gift. Some, somebody who worked there, like his kid didn't want it anymore, so he brought it in, and it was hidden. I don't know if it was hidden or given to me, but its eyes glowed in the dark. You would turn it no. on and it just chatter. So I would go – I would put it in our wellness room and then broadcast it on Periscope for like 45 straight minutes of just glowing eyes and like
1: <laughs> –
2: All that stuff. And, and then – we realized we didn't have a way to turn it off. Like you couldn't, it couldn't even easily like pull the batteries out of it. So it went into a cabinet that I have, a little wooden cabinet. And every time I went in to get something, it would wake up. No. Eventually, if you cover it up and you don't make any noise around it and it's sort of sequestered, it'll turn itself off, but it can be woken up. And then it became whose drawer will we hide it in? And it was controlled by an app, but the app, It was so old that you couldn't download the app anymore on a phone. So there's no way to control it. There was no way. And it was evil. And it had zebra (laughs) fur and pink ears. And it was a real problem.
1: See, that's
2: when the AI takes over. Yeah.
0: Where is it now, Hal?
2: I'm proud to say that I don't know. It could be. (laughs) I haven't gone in there in a very long time. And I don't want to. And you can't make me. Nope. You can't make me.
0: Um, all right. Shall we uh, move on? Yeah. Yes. Up next, we hear from fans and friends of the podcast about their theories, comments, and questions. But first, a conversation about this episode's weather. Which is Cover Me Up by Jason Isbell. What a nice folk song. I am a Jason Isbell fan. Are you? I am. And, uh, this song... Was a, a big song at the very popular, it was a hit, and he's had many hit albums since then. Um, and I, yeah, I'm very much into I love this song a lot, and I love Jason Isbell a lot. I just he album he had out a year and a half ago, Nashville Sound, is really gorgeous. Um, what kind of
1: music would you say he does? I probably misdiagnosed it. Wait,
0: I think he's country, I think he's okay, like, yeah, he's yeah i would say he's country country crossover country crack Uh, country crossover but yeah this song is uh about his wife amanda shires who uh plays the fiddle in his band and sings and uh before jason this is his first sober album he has albums that came before um and he was in bands that came before but he uh Got, got sober, and this is what this was the kind of the, the turning point album for him, where he started not drinking and drugging anymore. and uh, this song is about that. The song is about his wife and how he feels uh lucky to be able to, you know, be sober so that he can be with her. Um, well, that's nice: because he was a disaster when he was not and suffered a lot of uh, personal and professional consequences as a result of that. But now he is sober and making music. And yeah, I really love the song.
1: You know what? I think we, I think we love a comeback story, you know, like Robert Downey Jr. He was on the ups and downs and then he was, he was, he had many troubles with drugs and whatnot. And then he came back and he was sober and did Iron Man. And since he hasn't been back in the bottom bits and he's doing great. And I love Robert Downey Jr.
2: I do. And this is a, a I love the song too. It's beautiful. And it fits the mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just fits. It fits really well.
1: It's a more of a supportive, it's like a story supportive song rather than yes. something that breaks away from the, the
2: story itself. Look. Sometimes it feels like it fits. Sometimes it feels like, oh, this is a nice song, yeah. and I have to. It's up to me as a listener to figure out, or to, either to figure out why it's in here, and pulling me and pulling me away from the story, or just sort of accept that it's there. And this is, you know, I mean, it is what it is. I understand. We we talked about this before. The people who were trying to put out like edited versions where they took the weather out, which is ridiculous. Like you, first of all, you can skip it if you don't like it. And second of all, there's a reason why it's in there right. and whether you like it or not, that's the piece of art that's being presented to you. So, you know, deal with it for goodness sakes.
0: <laughs> yeah. People always, people are like, Hey, can you put a clip of the weather in good morning Night Vale? And while, well, I would love to, I personally do not have the time or energy to track down all of these weather artists and get permission from them. So that is the reason why there is not uh, a clip of the weather in this show uh, because it exists already in the Night Vale episode. You want to find out what it is? You can download it, stream it, support your artist, or you can go back to the Night Vale episode and listen to it if you need a refresher on it. But I, uh, unfortunately don't have the time to try to track down Jason Isbell to get permission. Get right. To, yeah. Uh, nor I don't think I would even receive a response at this point from Jason Isbell, who is a multi-platinum selling artist who tours the world. <laughs> But Joseph at the time was able to get in touch with him, so <laughs> hey, good way to go, Joseph Fink. Yeah. It's a bit more industrious than I am. Well, I thought it was lovely. And a little and sad, but lovely. Yeah, well, I mean it's, a, it's uplifting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. They found a home. They finally found a home. Um, speaking of a home, what if we constructed a home out of dough? Yeah. And then baked it in a five hundred degree oven.
2: Sounds delicious. You mean make a calzone?
0: Make a calzone home. Yes!
2: Let's do it. Stay right there. Good Morning Nightfell vale. we will return after a brief break.
0: That's the sound of me smelling my own armpit, because I smell like a coconut vanilla cookie. And I smell like that because of native deodorant. Good Morning Night Vale is very pleased to be able to offer you 20% off of your first purchase of native deodorant by going to nativedeodorant.com and entering promo code goodmorning at checkout. I find myself very lucky to live in a time in history when deodorant exists. Think about how bad George Washington must have smelled and be grateful that you don't have to go anywhere near that. I don't want you to be stinky. I want you to smell great. And I want you to do that without endangering your body with harsh chemicals. Native deodorant can do that for you. Their products are naturally formulated and aluminum-free, so you're not going to be slowly poisoned by your own armpits. You're going to have to find another way to die. And while you're finding that other way to die, you will smell great with a naturally-derived deodorant that actually works. Native deodorant is not tested on animals, so no narwhals, which are real, will be injured for you to smell awesome. Visit nativedeodorant.com, use promo code goodmorning, and don't smell like George Washington. Mm-hmm.
2: Do you have trouble getting the sleepies like I do, having a good night's sleep, like a full night's sleep, let me introduce you to Feels, which is the premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. If you're like me and you have trouble, if you have stress, if you have anxiety, pain, or sleeplessness you just put a few drops of Feels under your tongue and you'll feel the difference within minutes. And if you're like me and you are new to CBD like I was, they offer a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience. Feels has me feeling my best every day and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash good morning and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash good morning to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping feels.com slash good morning. I'm going to kick us off. Jadiel has written in and says, hello to my favorite sentient patch of haze, teen militia leader, and brother outside the law. I've been a fan of Welcome to Night Vale since December of 2017. I was introduced in my senior year of high school to the pod. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I'm so old. (laughs) I know. You're 100 years old today. Sweet babies. Nothing against you, Jadiel. Oh, you have so much to experience. So much. Uh, my close friend and high school librarian who, while a strange and scaly violent creature, didn't try to kill me, Casey LaPlante. I didn't realize that librarians even had names in this world. I was hooked on the show almost immediately and binge listened until I was all caught up, which took me into early June. I was so focused on absorbing the world and loving the environment that the world set up that I didn't realize how emotionally invested I was in the show until episodes 43 and 44, The Visitor and Cookies, when Kashek was attacked by the evil Strex At the time that I was listening to the episodes, the time that I was listening to the episodes, I was in the library, and I remember loudly yelling when Kashik was attacked, Uh. getting very agitated until the next episode. Cookies, when I don't want to spoil, redacted. Well, when we found out that Kashik was okay, sans one eye. Both, w, both Welcome to Night Vale and Good Morning Night Vale have been such an amazing way to escape from my own reality and have been such positive influences on my recent life. I wish I had started listening sooner. Thank you for the amazing work you've done. Side note, soon after Hal mentioned Tasty Cakes for the second time on the podcast, they began to sell them here in Connecticut widely, and I've been hooked on them ever since. Oh Yes! Yes! Tasty Cake, listen. You can hear me. You're, you're making it out there. Send me a box of stuff. Every Saturday is my cheat day, and I will eat whatever you send me. And I'll take pictures of me sitting with a big protruding belly covered in empty, tasty cake wrappers. <laughs> this is my promise to you. First Connecticut, tomorrow my gut. Uh, avid listener and fan for always, Jadiel. Well, thank you. Uh, it, it, I. You know, what, what, what Jadiel points out is sort of what I was talking about earlier in the episode. That idea of like now we're digging into – the, the we we spent so much time establishing who Cecil is as a person we've had him fall in love that that now all, all of this something has to be taken away from him right and right. and because it's taken away from him now, because he's going through this personal trauma now, we're so invested in him that you do feel something it is uh, traumatic uh, as a listener and I know that that Nightville listeners in particular are are very heavily invested in In the story. So I understand how it's making you feel.
0: Yeah. All right, so Mick writes to us, Hey Meg, Symphony, and Hal. I've been listening to Good Morning Night Vale, and you might have already recorded the episode uh, on Visitor 43. No, we haven't. We're doing it right now. But if not, (laughs) I thought I'd send you a message. I love this episode not only because it had me crying at the end for Kashik, but also because it finally broke my theory that Cecil was somehow causing all the problems in Night Vale. From the beginning, Cecil seems to have strange powers, his borderline omniscience, for example. And I had a hunch that some of his powers, even if he didn't know it, were creating many of the strange happenings. Things. Maybe he was doing it intentionally. Maybe he was just accidentally speaking them into existence. Either way, I loved it. This concept was challenged a few times when he or someone he cared about was in danger. But I thought those dangers might have just been caused by one of the few other powers that Nightvale that affect Night Vale and believe Cecil was still one of the bigger forces wreaking havoc on the town. However, when Cecil couldn't stop Kashek from getting hurt, despite actually joining in the action himself, I changed my mind. He definitely has some abilities, but for the most part, he's just a resident trying to get by like the rest of us. Anyways, I love you, and I'd like to thank Symphony and Hal for your amazing performances with Tamika and Steve. I got into Welcome to Mm -hmm. Night Vale when I was first heading off to college and hearing Tamika's story and hearing her grow up a little All I did was fun and empowering Steve. I just relate to a lot because I too sometimes feel like the secrets of the world are obvious to me and get stressed out when no one else is doing anything about it. But his positivity reminds me to take a breath once in a while. Thanks again, Mick. Yes. It's very interesting, Mick, that you thought that Cecil was this, like he was like pulling all the strings, but then this was what broke that because if he could pull all the strings, he would have, you know, he would have prevented Kasia from ever feeling a moment of pain. So yeah, it's uh, interesting that this was your pivot point.
1: Agreed. You're sweet, too. Thanks, Mick.
2: Yeah, Mick.
1: Next in the zone, we have Morgan. They write, Hello. I have a couple of headcanons that I've come up with. One, prior to discovering Kashuk's genderqueer identity, I suggested that Kashuk was considered a trans man on the grounds that he gave birth, and yet was in the men's restroom, and so clearly a man. Two, my sister Jennifer believes that Kashek's fixed point in the bathroom was actually his center of mass, being a fixed point. This being how he could move enough to drink water and nuzzle people and such. In episode 43, when the vile, vile Strex pet attacked Kashek, causing him to lose some body parts, Kashek, became able to move around with the small removed parts launching off into space in order to maintain his center of mass as being in that fixed point in the bathroom. Later, he returns to the fixed point because removed body parts only stay a part of you for so long and it stopped being his center of mass. Regards, Morgan Thanks for your headcanon, Morgan. Those are pretty great. Um. Yeah, I could see why you would think that Kashak was a man, but yeah, I you know also who knows if Kashak is really a cat. So, gender is just a construct in possibly more than one way.
0: Yeah, feline identity is, for real has so many different ways it can express. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I appreciate your uh, sister Jennifer's thoughts. But I uh, am a little too simple to follow them. But I appreciate that there seems to be a a strong feeling about how kashik works and the mechanics of it. I haven't thought about the mechanics of my own life as much as your sister has thought about the mechanics of how kashik is in existence. So I appreciate that level of uh, introspection.
1: Yeah, it was like, um, you know, that meme... Or whatever, where it's just like a person looking confused and like a bunch of equations like going by their head. That's yes. what was happening for me. Same sees. But you know what? I'm so glad that they thought about it.
0: I am too. Um, my last we our last thing is from Leanne's Eighty Head Cannons. Remember, Leanne sent us eighty oh, head cannons. Yeah. Um, this is number seventy. Was it, it starts- literally eighty? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Go mm-hmm. ahead. This is number seventy. The Strex pet was a demented teddy bear. And that's all. Okay. Thanks, Leanne. <laughs> uh, thank you all. Thank you all so very much for writing in and for listening. And uh, the next episode is cookies. We'll talk about cookies. And as always, good morning, Night Vale. Good morning. Good Morning Night Vale is a Night Vale Presents production. It is hosted by Symphony Sanders, Hal Lovlin, and Meg Bashwinner. It is edited and mixed by Vincent Cashone. It is produced by Meg Bashwinner. Theme music by Disparition. Special thanks to our fans who submitted their thoughts this week. Leave us a voicemail at 929-277-2050 or email us at info at goodmorningnightvale.com to share your theories and ask questions, or just to let us know that you've been getting by okay. We'd love to hear from you. This show is powered by our patrons like Sandra Hobbs, Dubs 42 Ira Tanner, Catherine Myers, and Richard Young. If you are interested in supporting the show in exchange for knowing that you are contributing to something that brings joy to lots of people, check us out at patreon.com slash goodmorningnightvale. For more information on this show, go to goodmorningnightvale.com and follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at Nightvale Chat. Special thanks to Christy Gressman, Jeffrey Craner, Joseph Fink, and Adam Cecil. Today's adverb is luckily. After the 2016 election, I was so emotionally drained that I could only handle watching Tom Hanks comedies from the 80s, like Big, The Money Pit, Splash, Turner and Hooch, and the not from the 80s but still included because it is a timeless classic, That Thing You Do. These movies are wholesome, uncomplicated, and blandly funny in a way that gave me refuge from the torment of the pain and fear being felt around the world. Now, in mid-2019, things are so bad that I can't even handle that much emotional response. Hooch dies, for fuck's sake, guys. Sorry, spoilers. So now I can only watch old episodes of the early 2000s TV show Jackass. Something about the immediate painful payoff to the outright stupidity has been really helping me out lately. Myself and many people like me walk around every day with so much empathy for all of the pain in the world felt by so many people at the hands of truly monstrous greed. It's a lot to carry, more than even late 1980s Mr. Tom Hanks can lift from me. So every night I watch carefree skateboarders and pranksters fall off of things and react to surprise injuries to their testicles. It makes me laugh and for a brief half hour, my heart doesn't hurt. Those shitty, often deeply problematic jackass boys carry my pain for a little bit by rolling around naked in a room full of mouse traps and riding shopping carts into bushes. It feels good to see people hurt in the context of something still so profoundly joyful. It feels like me, it feels like hope. Luckily, I have this, this small break. I am truly lucky to get it because for so many people out there, there is no rest from their pain and there is no end in sight. Luckily, I have Jackass.
2: I want you to write a story about a wedding reception. I want you to make that story two minutes. That's about 200 to 250 words when you read it out loud. Finish it. Refine it a bit. Work on it. Get it to somewhere that you are happy with it. I want you to delete it. That's me, Joseph Fink. Giving a short writing assignment on me and my welcome to Night Vale co-writer Jeffrey Craner's new podcast, start with this. If that prompt sparked your creativity, then give it a listen cuz on this show it's you who will do the creating. Not sure where to start? Start with this. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.